BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I sing of golden-throned Hera, whom Rhea bare. Queen of the immortals is she, surpassing all in beauty. She is the sister and the wife of loud-thundering Zeus, the glorious one whom all the blessed throughout high Olympus revere and honor even as Zeus who delights in thunder. Hi, hello, this is Let's Talk About Myths, baby, and I'm your host, Liv here with an episode I know so, so many of you have been waiting for. One I've been meaning to do for an age. One that is so due and necessary. Hera. That quote at the top of the episode was, as I'm sure you assumed, the Homeric hymn to Hera. And yes, that's it. And that's the only one we have. A travesty, I think. Fortunately, though, I am here to tell you more about her. Hera is getting many varied stories told today. The moments that formed her, the badassery that she did amongst the Olympians, and all that it led to. Because yes, this episode is also going to feed into next week's episode. Another exciting moment. Before we dive in, I'm going to start with an enormous thank you to everyone who's bought my book or pre-ordered my book, because guess what? It sold out in warehouses in the first couple of weeks, so they started to print more, and now it seems like it's sold out of most retailers too. 
So, I mean, very cool for me, but for those of you in the UK, it was supposed to arrive last week, but now it's looking more like June. So I'm sorry you have to wait so long, but also I'm very excited. Anyway, it's really fucking cool. And so thank you to everyone who bought it. Speaking of books, this coming Friday will be the conversation that I've mentioned already with Elodie Harper, the author of the new novel The Wolf Den, about women enslaved in a brothel in ancient Pompeii. I can't wait for you all to hear that episode and to read the book because it's really something. Highly recommend. But today, Hera. We all know who Hera is. She's so incredibly important to the mythology. But she's also done dirty in so many ways. She is an agent of the patriarchy, but it isn't really on her. And today we're going to look at that in as much detail as possible. Plus one time she also staged a coup. This is episode 124, why she is the way she is, the goddess Hera, and the time she tried to overthrow Zeus. is one of the original Olympians, one of the six gods born to Kronos and Rhea, one of the gods imprisoned in Kronos's belly before being freed by their brother, Zeus. She is the goddess of marriage and women. She wasn't always the queen of the gods. For the goddess of marriage, Hera's own marriage started on an absolutely horrifying foot. These siblings weren't always in love, if they ever were at all. Originally, they were just that. They were siblings. They were two of the six children born of that crazy period in the Earth's origins. Some even say that Hera was raised off in Oceanus with that titan and with Tethys, another titan. In that case, they weren't even raised together, Hera and Zeus. Hera was off on her own. Now, don't get hung up on a timeline here. There is only frustration that results when one tries to sort out why the gods are fully grown sometimes, children others, or what happens in between, when or how. It's just, it's not a thing. I tell you only because it emphasizes Hera as a person before Zeus, that she was a fully-fledged goddess and woman before Zeus. Because she was. She did exist in a time before she was married to her brother, one of the worst men of all Greek mythology. So why did they even get married then? They weren't in love. Hera had a life before Zeus. Hera could have continued on, like Demeter or Hestia, without ever officially marrying anyone. But no, because Zeus. Hera was one of Zeus's earliest victims. Like I said, Hera lived a large part of her young life without Zeus. Again, it's just so different to say what ages the gods were at when anything happened, or if people even believed in ages for the gods. But what we do know is that Hera grew up away from him, so maybe there was a long period after she'd been vomited up out of Cronus's belly that she lived on her own, away from her siblings, being raised by nymphs and titans. Because eventually, when she was whatever horribly young age they decided girls should marry at, Zeus came looking for his sister. And prior to this, we're to believe that Zeus had already been with the titan Mnemosyne, who gave birth to the nine muses, 
and with Famous, who gave birth to the Moare and the Hore and maybe more. Basically, Zeus was getting around long before he and Hera were married. According to Robert Graves, who's referencing an Orphic fragment, he may have even already raped his own mother, Rhea. Yeah. And well, this didn't make him seem like a particularly interesting match to Hera. So when the siblings finally met as adults, or I don't know, probably way too young adults if not younger, Zeus was immediately intrigued by Hera. There was already the tradition of the main gods marrying their siblings, so he proposed marriage to her. Hera, though, wasn't into it. Gee, I wonder why. Hera wasn't interested, and she repeatedly told off Zeus, told him she didn't want to marry him, she didn't love him, she didn't want to be his wife, etc., etc., etc. She made her feelings very clear and was reasonable and honest and just didn't want to marry the fucking guy. But guess what? Well, it's fucking Zeus. Do you think that that mattered? No. Eventually, Zeus tired of trying to convince Hera directly, so he decided to go about his attempts to marry his unwilling sister in a little more of a roundabout kind of way. See, Hera had a thing for birds. So Zeus appeared to her in the form of a cuckoo bird. To Hera, there was just this lovely, adorable little bird there hanging around her. It seemed to be just begging to be made into her loyal pet. It was asking to be loved by her. Hera, being a kind and caring soul, befriended this cute little bird and kept it close to her, thinking, again, that it was just a sweet little bird. The bird landed on her, and she took it close to her chest, cooing at it and petting its little head. She held it close until Zeus, the fucking cuckoo bird, transformed back into himself, taking the opportunity of being so close to Hera for the first time, and he raped her. He's completely irredeemable. I just loathe him. Somehow Zeus's deception and assault of Hera means that they will now be married and the woman will have to live a lifetime dealing with the absolute worst of the gods. It's not even like she wanted to marry him and then he turned out to be an absolute shit. He was a huge shit, an awful shit. He forced her into marriage and then she just had to deal with the embarrassment and horror of a husband who would continually not only cheat on her, but cheat on her by violating and assaulting other women. Which reminds me of the time that some asshole on the internet basically threatened me with a visit from Zeus because I shit talk a man who assaulted like everyone. Apparently the Zeus is going to come down and he's going to do to me what he did to everyone. It was quite the mythological threat. Anyway, this is how their relationship started out. Now, together they did ultimately have three children who Hera seems to have loved. As the goddess of marriage and women, I imagine this was really fulfilling for her, so that's something. The children, of course, were Ares, Hebe, the goddess of youth, and Ilithia, the goddess of childbirth. But as we all know, Zeus continued on with his bullshit. He continued on being a serial predator and an overall awful dude. On and on and on. One of the most notable of Zeus's shit moments during their marriage would be the conception of our girl Athena. 
Whether the quote-unquote relationship between Zeus and the Titan Matus was or was not consensual, when he learned that their child would become stronger than him, he fucking ate the woman. So in the end, he's the villain all the same. I won't regale you with the details, that's in Zeus's episode, but Athena was born from this horror show of relationship and ended up being acknowledged as almost exclusively Zeus's daughter. This, well, this ruffled Hera's feathers. Bad pun, Liv. Because, well, Hera is the goddess of women and marriage, and also childbirth in some senses, and so learning that her husband had fathered a child without her, or without any women in general, really made her pretty angry. She has only a few things that are hers in this world, and Zeus had found a way of negating one of them. When you're living a life like Hera's, this is a huge blow. And so, some say that her means of retribution slash her own self-care over this slight by Zeus came in the form of her conception of Hephaestus, a god whom she alone is the parent. That is a common understanding and one that we will go into further detail on in a future episode devoted to Hephaestus. But for now, I want to talk about a slightly more badass interpretation, where, according to the Homeric hymn to Apollo, Hera, in fact, created a much more monstrous offspring in her fury with Zeus. And, well, you all know how much I love a Homeric hymn, so this part of the story is coming in the form of a brief reading. To preface, though, this is also the story of the great dragon Python, who used to guard the spring where Apollo would eventually found Delphi. Python is known as a she-dragon. With that said, the reading. Python it was who once received from gold-throned Hera and brought up fell, cruel Typhon to be a plague to men. Once on a time Hera bare him because she was angry with father Zeus, when Cronides bare all-glorious Athena in his head. Thereupon queenly Hera was angry and spoke among the assembled gods. Yes, now I will contrive that a son be born me to be foremost among the undying gods, and that without casting shame upon the holy bond of wedlock between you and me. And I will not come to your bed, but will consort with the blessed gods far off from you. When she had so spoken, she went apart from the gods, being very angry. Then straightway large-eyed queenly Hera prayed, striking the ground flatwise with her hand, and speaking thus, Here now, I pray, Gaia and wide Uranus above, and you titan gods who dwell beneath the earth about great Tartarus, and from whom are sprung both gods and men, hearken you now to me, one and all, and grant that I may bear a child apart from Zeus, no whit lesser than him in strength. Nay, let him be as much stronger than Zeus as all-seeing Zeus than Kronos. Thus she cried and lashed the earth with her strong hand. Then the life-giving Gaia was moved, and when Hera saw it, she was glad in heart, for she thought her prayer would be fulfilled. And thereafter she never came to the bed of wise Zeus for a full year, but when the months and days were fulfilled and the seasons duly came on as the earth moved round, she bare one neither like the gods nor mortal men, fell, 
cruel Typhon to be a plague to men. Straightway large-eyed queenly Hera took him, and bringing one evil thing to another such, gave him to Python, and she received him, and this Typhon used to work great mischief among the famous tribes of men. So yeah, that's the time that Hera gave birth to Typhon in anger at Zeus. Really, I just live for the idea that Hera was so angry with her shit husband for doing one of his many shit things that she created the worst monster of all of Greek mythology. Like, all-time hands-down worst, Typhon. The father of all monsters. The horror of all horrors. The power we women can have. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. We finish today's episode with one of the absolute best and most badass stories that Hera has ever been involved with. Though tragically, not one that has too much in the way of details. A couple references here and there, so I'm doing my best to parse it into a real story because, oh gods, does this deserve it. First, though, another quick anecdote, because according to Pausanias, who was a travel writer in the 2nd century CE, there was a brief period where Zeus and Hera were officially separated in their marriage. She'd left him and was just hanging out well away from Zeus and well away from Olympus. 
Pausanias says that Zeus wanted her back and was advised that this was the way to do it. He was to pretend like he was marrying another woman. So he dressed up a wagon or a chariot of some kind as if it was celebrating a marriage. He created a wooden figure that he then covered with a veil to fake an actual woman in the chariot. And he proceeded to pretend to be going through a marriage ceremony, which we're told is what finally convinced Hera to go back to him. Anyway, it's a bit weird, but I thought it was interesting, and I'm proud of her for actually trying to leave at one point. But now onto the good stuff, because spoilers that are already in the title, and I already said it earlier, it's a fucking coup! Hera, as we all well know, was not a fan of her husband's actions, as if I haven't made that perfectly clear today. He was an absolute shit to her, to women of Greece, to everyone imaginable, even in the case of Ganymede, a young man from Troy, who Zeus abducted and assaulted before installing the young man as his cupbearer. In return for Ganymede's abduction, Zeus gave his father, Laomedon, some fancy horses. And not to worry, that little divergence into the crimes of Zeus has a purpose, a purpose that will become clear in next week's episode. Regardless, though, Zeus was an equal opportunity monster. He was a shit to men and women alike. Though I'd be lying if I didn't point out the difference. Ganymede was a mortal man abducted by Zeus, and he was given a spot amongst the Olympians as a cupbearer. Yes, so one can only imagine he was enslaved, which is horrifying, but most of the women ended up dead or worse. Anyway, Hera. This episode is off the rails. Hera was not at all a fan of her husband's actions. There was Ganymede, the youth abducted by him, who she was forced to look at even in her own home on Mount Olympus. There were all the many women, mortal and otherwise. There were the titan goddesses whom Zeus fathered children with. There were the countless, just countless examples for why Hera was angry with her husband almost all of the time. So there was that one time that she left him, like Pausanias says. And another time that she took her frustrations a little bit further. Hera called together the rest of the Olympians, everyone other than her husband, their king. They came together and discussed their opinions of their king. He was being a tyrant, a monster. Everyone agreed, and everyone agreed to help Hera do something about it. Everyone aside from Hestia, at least. It's tough to say why Hestia turned down the offer to stage an actual coup on the King of the Gods, though I imagine it was more out of her general disdain for the whole mess that was Olympus. The others, though, all the other Olympians, they agreed. They agreed with Hera that her husband was a monster, that he was being tyrannical and awful, and that he shouldn't be permitted to continue on that way. So they staged a coup. Yes, you heard me. The Olympian gods stage a literal coup against Zeus, and a violent one at that. It happened while Zeus was sleeping soundly. Hera and the other Olympians, save for Hestia, who stayed out of that shit, crept up upon the king of the gods as he snoozed softly on Mount Olympus. They were prepared. So the moment the Olympians had their king surrounded, they sprung into action. All together, they bound Zeus with leather straps, tying him tightly with such force and accuracy that he was absolutely incapable of moving, let alone freeing himself from this capture. Having succeeded in this seemingly impossible task, the Olympians celebrated. 
I like to imagine that Zeus, having obviously awoken by now, was screaming obscenities at them as they celebrated. You just know he was fucking furious, but he couldn't move a muscle, so he's just screaming away, threatening them with every imaginable punishment, talking about his own importance and strength. I mean, you know Zeus. Just imagine how he'd react to this situation. Fucking be hilarious. But... It also caught the attention of someone who hadn't been involved in either the plotting or the planning or the carrying out of the coup. Thetis. Thetis, you might recall, was a nymph, but she was also the mother of Achilles. See, this little anecdote is told in the Iliad, just in passing, sort of a, hey, remember that time when you did this cool thing for me? See, Thetis witnesses this. Celebrations by the Olympians, the bound Zeus lying there completely unable to move. She probably hears all the obscenities. And she thinks, I think I gotta help Zeus out of this little pickle he's gotten himself into. She probably also thinks, what can I get for myself if I help Zeus? She immediately heads straight from Mount Olympus to wherever it is that Briarius, one of the Hecatonchires, was hanging out at this time. Tartarus, I guess, provided by this time he was still guarding it to prevent the Titans' escape. In any event, she heads down, she gets Briarius, who she knows will help Zeus escape from the bindings of the other Olympians, because the Hecatonchires, having been freed by Zeus after Kronos' mess, are pretty indebted to him. And while the Olympians have him tied up pretty tight, no knots can defeat a Hecatonchiri. Briarius accompanies Thetis back to Olympus, where she directs him to the hilariously angry and still very much bound Zeus. And well, again, the knots truly are no match for a dude with a hundred hands. He uses so, so many of his hands at once, maybe all of them, and in an instant, the bindings of Zeus have been untied and... That god we all dislike so much is free. And, well, he's mad. Zeus is not a god that anyone wants to see angry for obvious reasons. He's a dick. And this moment only proves it further. I mean, to play devil's advocate, Zeus does have a pretty good reason to be angry in this case, even if we'd all still side with Hera because she has a pretty good reason to bind him up and stage the coup in the first place. Anyway, Zeus is pissed off and sets about doling out the requisite punishments. He determines that Hera's main co-conspirators were Poseidon and Apollo, and he punishes them accordingly. The other gods, besides Hera, of course, are given a free pass with the understanding that they were coerced into the coup. Poseidon and Apollo's punishment is servitude, specifically Zeus sends them down to Earth to serve the king of Troy, Laomedon, who needs walls built around his new city. So, together, Poseidon and Apollo do indeed build the walls around the city of Troy. And what walls they are! Poseidon is incredibly proud of these walls, you see. They're his pride and joy walls. And even though this was punishment for their attempted coup, it appears that Laomedon was also expected to thank Poseidon in some way, payment or prayer or maybe some sacrifice. Frankly, the details, like I mentioned earlier, are not extensive. The point here is that Apollo and Poseidon built the walls around Troy and that Laomedon then neglected to thank them in whatever way they were expecting. And this made Poseidon absolutely furious. 
But more on that next week because today's episode is about Hera. With Apollo and Poseidon completing their punishment, Zeus turned to his wife, who would obviously require an even worse punishment than the one given to his brother and son. Hera's punishment was to be strung up in the sky. According to a Roman epic by Valerius Flaccus, quote, First he hung up Juno from the wheeling sky and showed to her chaos in its horror and the doom of the abyss. We don't know for how long Hera remained that way, but suffice it to say, it was not an enjoyable experience for the woman. Finally, it might have been her own son Hephaestus who freed her from this punishment. According to that same Roman epic, this is actually what caused him to be thrown from Mount Olympus by Zeus. In any event, unfortunately, Hera learned her lesson, and there were no more attempted coups on Olympus. Today's episode was made both to ensure that Hera's story is told from her perspective, rather than all the times she punished women for Zeus's actions, but also to explain her as a character and to look a little bit deeper into what made her the way she was and what outside motivations there were. Obviously, she is problematic. She notoriously punished women for things her husband did. But ultimately, I mean, of course she did. One, she couldn't exactly punish Zeus because look at the origin of their marriage and what happened when she did try to stand up to the tyrant just once. And two, she is ultimately an agent of the patriarchy. We don't have the stories that women told each other about Hera. We don't have their interpretations, what they believed and how they understood the goddess of women. We just don't know. I like to imagine that she was an entirely different person in their eyes, that she was kind and caring and looked after the women who were violated by Zeus, that she was a goddess you went to when you'd experienced assault because you knew she would understand your experience. You knew she would take you in a huge warm hug and make everything feel just a little bit less horrible. If a goddess had gone through what you'd gone through and she too was traumatized, but she was able to overcome her trauma, then maybe you could too. That is the Hera, I believe, the women of ancient Greece knew and loved and prayed to when times were tough. Oh, nerds, thank you for listening. I'm thrilled to be covering episodes like this, kind of deeper dives into characters that we know so well, but that are always a secondary character to the actions of a man. Hera so deserves this episode, you know? I've done her dirty in the past, Athena too, so we'll get there. It's super tough because truly, we just don't know what the women believed. We have all these ideas from the men and they just would have had such an incredibly different understanding of someone like Hera. More than many of the other goddesses, if not all of them, because Hera was the goddess of women. She was so, so much more than an angry, wronged wife. We just don't know how much more. So today, I speculated a bit at the end there, and I think it's important. Sure, we don't know, but I think as women today, we could make some assumptions, you know? Like, it's pretty easy to see that there would have been a lot more to Hera. Well, as usual, you really are all the best. 
that this is my life is utterly unbelievable and it just keeps getting better. So thank you always. And you know, maybe a five-star rating is in the cards. Maybe do it for Hera to offset all the men who think I hate all men when I talk about rape being bad. Weird way to solicit a review, but what can you do? I'm a podcaster who is beholden to them. (laughs) Anyway, again, this episode went off the rails, but it was really fun and I absolutely loved talking about Hera. So I hope you liked it too. Thank you all so much. I am Liv and I love this shit. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.